somehow Palpatine returned. Alright, there's the clap. <laughs> when you look ready to clap, it just looks like you're throwing up gang signs. It's just like... <laughs> Alright, let's get into this. Hey everyone, welcome back to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast. I am Sam... And I'm Will. And this week we are talking about Ty West's Slasher Horror X. I watched it last night and I gotta say it is such a great return to form for the director of House of the Devil and the Innkeepers. A star-making turn from Mia Goth and it cements Jenna Ortega's status as Hollywood's latest Scream Queen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What What are we doing? Hey, wait a minute. I watched the wrong movie. Wait, what did you watch? What did you watch? I watched Rise of Skywalker. I thought we were completing why, the Palpatine Why would you trilogy? do a thing like that? Why would thought, you? What's, what's wrong with you? Well, I thought we were completing the Palpatine trilogy. I thought it was a whole thing. Uh, we were going to do a thing. It was a big Star Wars blowout. Fine. Well, t- I don't want to talk about the Rise of Skywalker. I want to talk about anything but the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but we're going to talk about Star Wars Episode Nine. The conclusion of the Skywalker saga, the conclusion of the third trilogy, the sequel trilogy, the Disney era trilogy. And the last theatrical Star Wars movie <laughs> released. <laughs> it didn't make more money than God. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, that means they had to move everything to television. Yeah. So it goes. Uh, so it goes. I guess I want to go back to... um. It's now been about 10 years since Disney bought Lucasfilm for $4 billion. <laughs> and Lucas basically looked at them like uh, like the king in Beowulf and said, it's not my curse, not anymore. <laughs> uh, I kind of wanted to, Will, go, looking back, like... 2012 like we the the dust had settled from the prequels everyone had kind of moved on with their lives what was your reaction when disney bought announced we are buying lucasfilm and we are going to make uh star wars uh episode seven title tbd so i i think i i thought i thought that would be fun um but i was it made me exhausted uh, because also with that announcement was we're going to make a Star Wars movie every year for the next, you know, for whenever it stops making us money. And that prospect just filled me with just existential dread. <laughs> yeah, I was dubious from the start. Like, I've, I think you, you've known this whole time. I've, I have had nothing but side eye for new Star Wars. Uh, like, yeah. I was... I was you you I was not like racing out the door to see the Force Awakens. I was dubious about the last Jedi before it came out. And I mean, by the time the Rise of Skywalker came out, I was like, well, you know, this good or bad, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> so. so I you know, I uh I kind of had the exact opposite uh reaction of you. I felt very profoundly kind of tired and annoyed at having the prospect of seeing a new Star Wars or having new Star Wars shoved into the ether every year um and then seeing force awakens i thought well this is actually kind of fun i think they kind of got at least the spirit right i think that movie has too much um problems with uh sort of it this has all happened before and will happen again ness to it yeah my issue with it was uh, my issue with the force awakens leading up to it was twofold one i was like okay this soft reboot thing 
Like, yeah. you're like, we have to show we can make Star Wars again. I'm like, you can make Star Wars. Anyone can make Star Wars. It's iconic. Yeah. And then the other one was the sort of that that it was like a rationalizing thing people had where they were like, well, as long as they can make a better movie than the prequels. And I'm like, right. no, no, if that's your hurdle, it's not good enough. I, I, you, you, if we're going to spend the GDP of a small nation to make one of these movies, it's got to be it's got to be really good. Yeah. And yeah. I thought and I thought for the, the Force Awakens is. A, a really solid movie. It is a good reboot. The first hour is fantastic, and the second hour is uh, not as good as A New Hope. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's sort of the problem. I think right at the hour mark, the movie starts actively falling apart as it goes, as it just starts retreading A New Hope, as opposed to sort of echoing A New Hope. Um, and then you get, a th- you get basically a bigger Death Star, and it's kind of... It, it's... It, like a lot of J.J. Abrams projects, it sort of skates along on its casting and its characters, and then by the time you get to the end, you're like, well, that was fun. I want to kind of see where these these folks go. Yeah, I I, I found all the, like, mystery box things oh, introduced yeah, yeah. in Force Awakens incredibly annoying. I don't care, like, who in the Star Wars universe fucked who around, you know, 10 yeah. BBY to make these... Who's, is is this person a parent? Is the one black guy is he a Calrissian? Are they all yeah. Calrissian? Like no, I don't care about that. I just wanted all I wanted was the com- like a, a a simple story executed well, and that was just too much to ask. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna uh, disagree with you on Last Jedi, because I love Last Jedi. And actually, coming out of that movie, I was like, wow, I'm actually excited for more Star Wars. Because I came out of Force Awakens being like, that was fun. More Star Wars might be fun. And then I came out of Last Jedi being like, I want more of this. I I just don't... My problem... Well, all right. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> let's get two things out of the way. One, The Last Jedi is divisive on an almost absurd level. Yes. And the people that hate it reacted to it for in all the wrong ways, and the people that loved it, for the most part, also went fully hyperbolic about it. And everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree. It's with that. easily <laughs> one of Ryan Johnson's five best movies he's made. <laughs> I like it. I don't hate it. My issues with it are like all on like a structural level, and. I have problems with it that are beyond the movie's control, and I have problems with it that, honestly, I can apply to all three movies in this trilogy. The cardinal sin of the sequel trilogy is that it's three movies that are all better than the prequels that combine to make a trilogy that is substantially worse than the prequels. Right. Yeah, I mean... All you need to do is make a plan, because you have... Like, honestly, I watched The Rise of Skywalker, and then I opted to watch... Because it was late, I watched like the first half an hour of The Last Jedi. And and I've seen The Force Awakens probably the most. These are three movies that just feel like they're in conflict with each other. Even the two J.J. Abrams ones yeah. like contradict yeah. and are in, are locking horns with each other in such a weird way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's... there I, I think Force Awakens and Last Jedi work together. I, it, you know, I think there are, there are certain things... There's certain mystery box things that Ryan Johnson was just like, I don't care about answering this, and or this mystery just is dumb, and I don't feel like exploring it in any real way. Um, 
and I think actually that was right because I think the problem with the Force Awakens is it feels like it's designed as a pilot for uh, half a dozen comic books, a TV series, and maybe other movies. <laughs> yeah, know? and the Force Awakens is the epitome of that. The, one of my least favorite things about Star Wars, which is plot holes that I'll only understand if I've read a book or a comic right. or played a video game. And it's got a lot of that. It was one of the worst things of the Lucas years of Star Wars. Right. Like, not not the, you know, stuff in the 90s when they weren't making movies, but stuff that it's like, oh, you're only going to know why General Grievous appears to have bronchitis if you saw Gendy Tartakovsky's, uh, <laughs> cart- like, Clone Wars cartoons. And I'm like, just, just... The beauty of Star Wars 1977 is that you don't... It could have stopped right there, and that's a perfect movie. It's so contained. And I don't think I can say that about any of the sequels. Not the prequels and not the sequels. The difference is the prequels all... At least the last two prequels feel very consistent with each other. And these are three movies that seem to be constantly course-correcting from the prior movie. Right. When... And, and the thing with The Last Jedi is what frustrates me the most is that it is the most ambitious Star Wars in a long time. And it is trying to expand the types of stories that Star Wars is going to tell. But it needed to use a lighter touch. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's a little too cheeky about it. And it's, honestly, I watching the first half hour, the, you can't make a movie where the first thing Luke Skywalker does is like, like sassily toss his lightsaber over his shoulder like he don't like he DGAF without getting people angry. Yeah. And I think I think if you want to get people to embrace a new look at Star Wars and and characters that are going to look at this universe in a different way, you kind of have to lure them in. You got to bring them in. You can't push them away. And it's a shame because like watching it watching the first 30 minutes or so of it after the rise of Skywalker, I'm like, "Oh, this is a this movie's gorgeous to look at." Yeah. It's so well directed. The acting is better. Yeah. It's, uh, I hadn't, I, I turned it off before I got to all the unnecessary new characters, but uh, it's, it is, it starts off as a much better movie and all of the flaws in it are kind of flaws that you can find in the first and third movie as well. I just think it spent so much time trying to push the envelope that it forgot that it's got to be like a connective bridge to the third act. And I came out of that movie not necessarily thinking, oh, I hate Star Wars, Star Wars is ruined forever, but I wasn't sure where you could go from there. Because if you watch Empire or Attack of the Clones, it's very clear what the next adventure is going to be. They leave the they leave Empire Strikes Back with, like, a goal. Like, like there's a practically a next time on at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And this one, I was like, I I don't know what, where, you, where you go from that. Your villains are all dead. Well, I, I mean, I guess, you know... it. it uh, who knows what what the thinking was, but it seems to me well, like they had a the, script for episode three by the end of that, like they had the Colin well, Trevor, right. yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it seems to me like the the goal, you know, it, it like where you go with it is Kylo Ren becomes your big bad, he becomes the the villain, and you don't do the redemption thing with Kylo Ren. I think that's that's it seems like that's where that movie is pointed. Um, but it also seems like that movie is pointed somewhere where somebody, Ray, probably comes to the conclusion that the light side and the dark side are not 
are too they're too it's too binary and you need to go there needs to be a middle path to restore balance to the force right whatever that means which i get but i feel like that's at odds with 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 making kylo ren go like full heel turn because he's been the character in conflict this whole time right right and i i think the the what i think the the point of last jedi is to actually take the conflict and really just turn him dark that's where i thought they were headed anyway or if they were going to do a redemption thing it was going to be uh, it was not going to be basically a retread of return of the jedi <laughs> right um but but i think the the problem with the last jedi and in I love The Last Jedi as a movie on its own. What It doesn't work as a second part of this trilogy. Because um, no. like you say, it's clear they had no guidepost of being like, even like yeah. just a little bullet point being like, movie one, here's where we're going to, here's where we start, here's where we end. Movie two, here's where we start, here's where we end. Movie three, this is where we're ending. And, and, I, res- and I respect... Uh, Ryan Johnson not wanting to be beholden to the J.J. Abrams yeah. mystery box, but at the same time, you're not making a standalone movie. You're you're part of a big. Right. Someone someone needed to think of the big picture, and right. I give no. Ryan Johnson credit for being capable of that. So I, I'm holding him to a higher standard. Well, and and I don't know what happened, but when the initial announcement was that Ryan Johnson was coming in to direct the second movie to write and direct the second movie he was it was also announced that he was going to write the third one too and i don't know if i don't exactly know what happened or if that was just like a weird game of telephone with the press but well there was a minute there where they were just giving out star wars movies like candy like they like ryan johnson was also going to have his own trilogy the uh, benioff and weiss were going to do a star wars movie i i i I, this may be like the mandela effect but i could swear to you that guillermo del toro was going to have one (laughs) because he always has he's always got stuff in development but it was just like and it's yeah. it's the thing it's the it's they said like they finally made good on the threat Lucas always had of hiring like auteurs to make Star Wars <laughs> and you, you stop doing that. <laughs> well, that's and that's the problem. That's what they learned. They learned that they had to reshoot movies twice <laughs> when they did that. You know, the, the the fucking success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is on the back of an executive producer and the directors of You, Me, and Dupree. It's <laughs> it, like it's this isn't. It, it's it's not high art. It it, yeah. it you have you have it is a product. It is it is a franchise. It is a series. You have to have someone steering the ship. And I don't know who was the Lucas. Who who was the Feige? It doesn't seem like there was one. And if it was if it was Abrams, he was in and out the door. He didn't seem yeah. to be want that position. Yeah, it, it it's very strange. And then and so the last part of the thing with the Last Jedi, what it does is is it starts out as a deconstruction of Star Wars, which then comes out on the other end, being like, we don't need to deconstruct Star Wars. Star Wars is fine. Is <laughs> kind of where it comes out. That last forty five minutes of the Last Jedi, where it seems to be like backtracking from the rest of the movie. <laughs> But you could tell, like, they were like, okay, we don't know what to do with Rey in this, like, she's she's just gun- the gunner on the Millennium Falcon now after her massive climactic confrontation with the big bad and her big lightsaber standoff with the, uh, the, the red dudes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, which is great. That fight sequence is so it's good. Great. Like, all, yeah. like, it's all the, the action is all really well done. 
Um, there's some characterization stuff that I just don't like. It's the beginning. Last Jedi starts to set the table for like the full quippy star lordification of Poe and Finn, which. It, it works. It works for me in the Last Jedi, um, especially because they're not quipping at each other when it's other people or when the other person is not quipping at them. It works. I, I mean, well, okay. So how do you want to do this? I mean, we're we're kind of deconstructing the whole sequel trilogy. Do you want to? We, we can like I I feel like we should get our Last Jedi uh, <laughs> praises and grievances out of the way because honestly. A lot of st- that movie both informs and aggressively doesn't inform uh, right. the rise of Skywalker. I think it's like I said, my I like all the performances in uh, the Last Jedi. I really like Kelly Marie Tran. I like Rose. Uh, I like that yeah. character. I think she and Finn's arcs should have been flipped because it's so. But that's going to get into the whole uh, child soldier stormtrooper problem that all three of these movies have. Yeah. Where it's it should really be like, like Finn gets a different arc and a different love interest in every movie. <laughs> and it, it's yeah. just like Rose shouldn't have to explain to Finn in The Last Jedi why war is bad for, for innocent people. Right. Or at least they needed to frame it in a different way. I, I mean, the version of Last Jedi I would have wanted was something way more streamlined. Like... Like, you want, you want to tell a different story? Do the Star Wars submarine thriller where they're all, like, stuck on, like, with except, with the exception of the Luke and Rey stuff, stuck on a couple of ships for the whole movie yeah. instead of the, like, fetch quest to, uh, cas- to, to Morongo Casino. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the idea wasn't to, to explain child slavery to Finn. I think it was to explain the wider... Pro- I mean, and this is also, it's almost like too much for Star Wars to bear uh, in like in what it, what Last Jedi is trying to do. Um, it's not, it's trying to, to show the other side of, of war to Finn, not necessarily like stormtroopers and resistance or, you know, stormtroopers and rebels. It's, it's to show this other side, this, you know, the profiteering side, this, the side that Finn wouldn't have ever seen. Yeah. Um, but which again, I think, I think I like it, but I do think it's just a little too much for Star Wars pulpy space opera to kind of like tackle. It's just, and it just, it doesn't work for me for Finn to be the one learning that. Finn is the character that starts comes off starts off in the strongest place in terms of story potential at the beginning of the Force Awakens, and I think he's the most wasted character across these three movies. I, I I can agree with that, but I think I think it his arc in Last Jedi I think works for me in that it's you know if Force Awakens is him awakening to to you know a moral compass right. And that is really only focused on keeping the person who has, you know, shown him any form of kindness thus far safe or, or you know, protected in some way. And that's yeah, because uh, you mean Ray after yeah. Poe Dameron firmly died. Right. <laughs> like oh, right. B- blew up and sank into quicksand. I saw it. Right. You saw it. Yeah. So then the <laughs> so then the 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 last Jedi is him coming to terms with learning to fight for the cause and and learning instead of being focused on ray he's fighting for for the rebels 
what I think would make the most sense to point to for a third movie for for Finn is to become a revolutionary for the fucking stormtroopers. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. That completes the arc of all three movies. It's a little messy, I think, but it gets to the point where it's okay. So he he learns to he learns to fight for a person, he learns to fight for a cause, and then by the time he's ready to fight for a cause, he's leading the stormtroopers out of the, you know, their brainwashing. Yeah. That has to be his arc. Yeah, that, and right? I think that's great. I think you could have laid the pipe for that a little better in Last Jedi and then committed to it in The Rise of Skywalker. It's, it's I don't know, The Last Jedi, it just, it. I think when it tries to do the Star Wars, like, message-y stuff, it really stumbles because it's a movie that's, like, too, it's a little, it thinks it's a little too cool for it. And, it, it like I said last week, it's a little bit trying to have it both ways. But, yeah, I, I think Foe and, uh, not Foe, <laughs> <laughs> Finn and Rose work well. I think I would have tweaked the characters a little bit. Yeah. If if you had a crystal ball and knew that Carrie Fisher was going to die before the end of the the, the production of the third movie, you would have given her a you would have given her the second movie. Like they had I remember right. the only thing they ever said where they thought they they indicated they planned these things in advance was the first movie's Han's movie, the second movie is Luke's movie, Luke's. and the third movie was going to be Leia's movie. Uh, which you can see in The Rise of Skywalker. You can see that there was, like, way more Leia stuff that was supposed to be in that movie. Right, and then, but then, well, okay. Yeah. But be, but in order to do that, they have to, like, put her in a coma for half of The Last Jedi. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's, again, I mean, it just, it's unfortunate that, you know, Carrie Fisher died in between the, the first two movies, and then... For reasons I cannot understand, they decided to put her in Rise of Skywalker. I do not understand this creative decision, and it makes no fucking sense, and it destroys this movie. It's so uncomfortable. Every (laughs) element of it is awkward and weird. And it grinds the story to a halt. Yeah, I think think the thing I, I wanted in The Last Jedi was just a little more justification for the character's actions. I'm speaking, like, in the Holdo-Poe-Leia dynamic, where, like, Holdo Holdo's not telling Poe the plan, and Poe doesn't trust Holdo, and it leads to this little, like, mutiny thing. There's, A, a that would have been more effective coming from Leia, because if Leia's not telling me something, I believe there's a reason. I don't know who, I don't know who this fucking woman in her B. Arthur Mumu is showing up <laughs> and telling me what to do. I don't know, I don't know you, lady. Or, alternatively, add an extra element of intrigue to it, like, we know there's a mole on the ship. Right. And she doesn't trust Poe, and Poe doesn't trust her, and then the big reveal can be there was no mole. That was just something Snoke wanted them to think to push them where he wanted them to go. Yeah. No, I can buy that. I mean, I I, I do think Last Jedi is a little too long, and... and it does. It sort of takes a little while to sort of get everyone moving into place. It, um, it it's uh yeah it's it's a weirdly paced movie. It, yeah. It's trying to do a lot. You can't argue that it's it's you can't argue that it's not ambitious. Yeah. It's I just like a lot of ambitious movies, especially ones in big franchises where there's a lot of things you have to service anyway. It it bites off maybe more than it can chew. It's it's I don't hate it. And I definitely don't hate it for the same reasons a lot of people hate it. <laughs> and a lot of that's because you do a very good job of explaining to me what, what the, like the good parts of it. I just, I just don't love it. 
but I don't and love that, I don't love any of these movies. Well, and uh, I mean, and and I like I said, I like the Force Awakens. I love the Last Jedi, and I'm happy to rewatch those two movies, and I've rewatched them a lot. Um, this movie, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, I have only seen once. It was the second to last movie I saw before. My son was born and shut down, so... <laughs> yep. This was one of the last three movies I saw in, in theaters before the pandemic. It was... Yep. I saw The Farewell at the Arclight, last movie I ever saw at the Arclight. I saw Cats at a rowdy screening at the uh, Alamo Draft House with dirty milkshakes. And I saw this. Guess which movie I had the least fun watching. This one, I'm going to assume. I, I mean, will watch Cats ten times before I sit through this again. And that's... that. <laughs> that yeah, speaking of, that oh, was my cat. there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, when, when was it that you realized something was wrong with this movie? Uh, shortly before The Force Awakens came out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're watching this, this movie. This one? When you were, yeah. R- no, immediately. Like, right? I'm used to dumb stuff in the crawl. It's immediately because it jumps into it. It starts with the stat, like every Star Wars movie, opening crawl, pan through space to establishing shot, and then you just sort of have a setup, like an a, like a scene of just setting up the characters and reintroducing them. No, this thing throws you into the middle of like an action sequence where it's just Kylo Ren mowing down random people. And you don't know who he, who he, and he's looking for a thing. He finds this little, like, the Sith Wayfinder, but you don't know what that is. And he's immediately going to another planet. And then finally you're meeting Palpatine. But that's not even a big reveal because we all know Palpatine. Somehow Palpatine returned. Oh, my God. Because they establish it in the fucking opening crawl. So th- this is this is where I, I knew something was wrong. The first sentence of the crawl, when it said "the dead speak" with a big exclamation point, I was like, "Oh boy, are we in trouble here?" I <laughs> I I don't know where I saw this, but right after the movie came out, someone just put "the dead speak" exclamation point under the picture of the Buddy Christ from Dogma. So it's good. I was thinking, "The dead speak," you know, like hey. <laughs> And like the opening crawl feels like the one pager for the uh, like the first issue of a comic book. It is so all over the place, and like it just it, there's so much in it, and it's like why isn't any of this on screen? Well, it's there has been no indication of Palpatine being even a factor or even an influence on the characters' decisions right. in the prior two movies. There was a new Emperor character, Snoke, and he was sort of a like lanky raisin man played by andy (laughs) circus and you know again last jedi kills him so you kind of lose that one of your big bads so obviously they felt if they want kylo ren to be conflicted he needs someone tugging him on the dark side and it can't you don't really have any other villains because hux uh is like he might as well be throwing his hat on the ground and stomping on it every time the rebels uh, vex him. No, little sidebar, none of the, um, the First Order officers have any chill. And that's my favorite nope. thing about Imperial officers from the original. Through all of the madness and a crazy shit of Star Wars, Admiral Piet 
Admiral, uh, you know, Moff Jarred, Grand Moff Tarkin, those guys are just all business, and I really like that about them. They, they are very, they're very professional. I do like that the, uh, the, the First Order does have like these Cobra Commander esque freakouts whenever yeah. something goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so they're so different. I kind of wish they were even they they weren't just obviously aping the empire and i know that's a right. that's a commercial choice we gotta sell yeah. stormtroopers but yeah. you know it, it's it's i wish they'd made the villains as different from the empire as the you know trade federation looks in the original movie in the prequel right movies. no I, I i agree i think the i mean it makes I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense from somebody looking at it and being like, well, everyone hated the prequels, so let's not go too far from the Star Wars stuff that everyone likes. But I think it has trapped this franchise in amber, and I think it's yeah. a real problem. I think, um, I, I think honestly, I wish these movies had been set 200 years later. Like, something where it's like, it just... it's, I mean, this is, you know, it has, this mo- these movies make all the same... Mistake like mistakes. I think all the nostalgia, bring right. back the old gang movies make. I was thinking about this watching these ones, and I was reading something about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which we'll get to. It is <laughs> like it's by treating the characters this way and bringing them back in the way people do, where it's like they haven't done anything since their original adventure, and they've just sort of fallen to like they're literally like characters that need to be dusted off. Mm-hmm. It is preserving them in amber because uh, I'm a uh, spoiler alert for Ghostbusters Afterlife. The big villain in that is Gozer. Literally, it's just like we only bring the Ghostbusters back to fight the one villain they fought one time before, and it's like they've never done anything else. Right. And I think that's the difference between like the expanded universe and the canon Disney Star Wars universe, where in that one they had tons of adventures and. What we saw were literally just episodes in an ongoing serial. And in this one, it is. It does feel like the the the, the Jedi returned in Return of the Jedi, and then nothing happened with them until The Last Jedi. We've, and the, what we've seen of, of the time between the end of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of The Force Awakens would kind of support that. It is just like everyone kind of went to like sitting in their corners. Yeah, I think, and part of the biggest problem with The Force Awakens and, you know, the sequel trilogy in in general is it starts in a weird place um, because you're kind of like, wait, how did we get here after Return of the Jedi? And I think it needed, I don't, you know, I don't know. It it needed something to to make it... to, to smooth that transition over. I think it either you either needed another movie at the beginning where all the characters, all our, like, Han and Luke and Leia, everything's fine, and we show the, yeah. the collapse. Or yeah. you make the rise of the First Order more of a slow burn, where at first it's, like, kind of a group of insurgents, and Kylo Ren or Ben uh, Solo gets, like, seduced to them, and he's kind of like a terrorist, essentially. Yeah. Like the, like the Knights yeah. of Ren are like a, a, an extremist faction, but they're yep. small. And then as you build to the third movie, you discover, oh no, out in the uh, uncharted regions, <laughs> Palpatine has been there pulling the strings this whole time, just right. waiting for his moment. And it's the thing is, this, these, these three movies narratively, they just keep gear shifting and jerking. Right. It's like someone just like, like a bad go-kart just going back and forth yeah and this one in particular is gear shifting in a way 
to react to the audience. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's this movie's biggest problem. And, you know, I like the opening sequence of this with Kylo Ren going from planet to planet searching for something. I just wish that we knew, like, we didn't know what he was going for. And then you, you do the reveal of Palpatine, and I think that would make such a bigger punch. And, I mean, I guess we need to talk about Palpatine here, because... I don't have a problem with Palpatine coming back. I think that's kind of a fun idea. But you've got to use him. You've got to yeah. use him. He's got to be a character. It has. This has to be, like, his movie. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> let's let's be real. We've talked, and we talked about this last week. The biggest asset to the prequels is Ian McDiarmid. And you yeah. know he's, he's he doesn't get as much to do in this one. And he's not, like, fun-loving, cackling Palpatine. <laughs> he's more of, like, a Cenobite half the time. Uh, but you, you, he is an asset and he is like, he's going to show up. And if you give him good material, he's going to be an effective villain. Right. And like, just make him a character, make him do something, make him important. And because like, here's the thing you have to like, if you're going to bring Palpatine back, you're bringing back the baggage of two trilogies with him. Like you're bringing back, you're bringing baggage, even that necessary, that the other, the legacy characters don't even bring it. Like you have to bring the baggage from the prequels. You bring back the baggage from the original trilogy and you have to basically stick the landing of nine movies, which like, I don't know why you'd want to bring Palpatine back. I mean, I understand why on a certain level, but like on just the level of, Oh my God! This is going to be very hard. Why would you bring Palpatine back? Like, and I, I feel like maybe there was an element of panic. Like, fuck, we killed Snoke. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Shit, people like Adam Driver. You can't just be the big bad. Shit. Ooh, yeah. who's, who's left? Who's left? Fuck it. Uh, yeah. yeah. But well, I, and the- I, I think you say like the baggage of the prior movies, and that's an interesting thing. I was thinking about watching this one. It made me realize just how much this franchise has now taken the what I think were not were unintentional things done in the prequels and turned them into gospel like <laughs> the last jedi and this one have a very low opinion of the jedi really like yeah. they were fuck ups they let the the galaxy fall to darkness it's time for them to end you know yada 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 but i think this movie could have done a good job and it's like People only, like, the characters only refer to Anakin Skywalker as Darth Vader. They don't really right. talk about how he was redeemed and all of that. I, I think I think these movies had an opportunity to let the prequels inform them in a way that could have elevated both the new movies and the prequels. Like, you have Luke's Force Ghost showing up all over the place. Uh, you have Kylo Ren having a vision of, of uh, Han Solo... Oh. You know who might have visited him that would have been... Are you thinking... Yep. Anakin yep. Skywalker. And well, and this is this is the thing. Like, this is the thing, right? Like, like because... hey, kid, this doesn't work out for you. <laughs> I think it makes more fucking sense for Anakin to show up than it does for Han Solo to show up in yeah. that scene. No, I mean, that like, was going to be Leia in some well, form. Well, obviously, yeah. right. But, it, but like, it, it makes no sense for Han to show up. And I think it had to have been Anakin. And I think if you're bringing... Darth Sidious into this movie, you need to basically, ba- yeah, you need to basically stick the landing of explaining a lot of the prequels, and and explaining a, what the fuck Palpatine's ultimate end goal was. Yeah, because if you think about it, right, Darth Sidious basically 
creates Anakin Skywalker, manipulates things in such a way that he corrupts the chosen one of this prophecy, and so that he can take over the galaxy and then take keep taking keeps his power over the galaxy and then when he dies he has this secondary plan of coming back and creating a possessing his granddaughter in the force dyad what does palpatine want and thinking about that i think it is you could tackle the chosen one prophecy and the fact that ultimately palpatine didn't stop the Chosen One from bringing balance to the Force because Anakin killed him in the very end. Anakin right. was redeemed. Maybe that was the destiny. Uh, this could be a big... Uh, this could be... This could this movie could be the culmination of uh you know that Matrix line of it's the difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And Palpatine right. realized, oh no, evil is doomed to fail because, like, you can't... You cannot stop the... You know, like, the forces of good are destined to always rise they will always they will always be there in some form and no matter how much you try to manipulate them you know the light side is more powerful the light you know it's there there is no darkness without the light you know something like that i i don't know i'm just spitballing here no i mean i think i think that's fine i just I, i what i just want is is palpatine to to go through all of this for like a reason and and i saw in some forum like years ago that like it was somebody trying to uh combine lovecraft themes with star with star wars and it was just spitballing like well what if palpatine was trying to open a gate to to release some sort of star wars version of the elder gods or whatever and i and like and it's sort of silly and dumb but it's like well why not something like that what if he was trying to like you know, creates, like, bring out some ultimate evil, you know, Well, that would explain it. Instead of... Stadium full of people that were there. Well, right, well, right. Who the fuck are those people? But it would would make more sense of him manipulating the Force and and creating a chosen one and and whatever, and... Everything in the movie is just, uh, is just stalling so that they don't have to come up with a reason for Palpatine. What, what, like, he doesn't have a plan beyond, I will crush the Jedi and the Resistance, and, you know, it's the same <laughs> shit from all the other movies he's in. Right. Uh, it, it's, yeah. so in the meantime, we go on, like, the longest, dumbest scavenger hunt. They have to look for, like, enough MacGuffins to fill, like, three Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, and, I actually and... wrote it down because I'd never really tracked it before. It's like, so they have to find their way to the planet Exegol, which is where... Uh, Palpatine is and where his bajillion star destroyers and his legions of Sith troopers are but <laughs> they his, don't know how to his... you don't know how to get there without a Sith wayfinder and they only made two Kylo Ren's got one and uh, they gotta find the other so they have to go to find uh, a Jedi hunter named Ochi of Bestoon ouchie ouchie <laughs> or, no I'm sorry they have to no. the, the Luke was looking for all this stuff and the trail went cold on this planet this desert planet another desert planet uh, he get they get there and they run into uh, Lando who, who's been stuck there for decades has Lando just been sitting on this planet for like 10 years <laughs> you know what I love is when they all meet him uh, like you go back to like the first movie and it was Luke Skywalker I thought he was a myth, but when when he t- when Lando takes his helmet off and it's like you know Cedar was like oh this is General Lando Calrissian we know who he is like, we, we all know we know who that is you know it's like oh okay I guess 
<laughs> we're not playing with this anymore. Okay. So, well, it's because Lando updates his Wikipedia a lot. Right. You know, it's like, no, I'm, I'm only 160 pounds. <laughs> Lando's tweeting a lot, so Lando, everyone just knows. Oh, I've got to update my personal life section. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it, I don't know. I never bought into like, I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth. I'm like, it was 40 years ago. That's like me not remembering who Jimmy Carter is, you know? <laughs> uh, Galaxy's a big place, but yes. I, anyway, uh, yeah. it, it, it's enough. I'm not going to, I don't want to nitpick on everything. I'm going to select things to nitpick on. But so they get there and Lando was helping Luke. Lando's like, we were looking for a Jedi hunter named Ochi of Bestoon. <laughs> And there is a clue on his, uh, on his abandoned ship that will lead them to the Wayfinder. <laughs> so they go to the ship and they find this Sith dagger that they uh, that only C-3PO can translate. So they got to go to Kajimi, which is like... Well, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh. Only C-3PO can translate, but he can't... He can translate the Sith language... But he has to get hacked because it's there's some regulation that he can't read Sith. Who programmed him with that? Anakin? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I guess it was a patch at some point. <laughs> Captain uh, Antilles did a patch on it. I, I guess. guess. Uh, yeah, they wiped his memory at, uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith so they wouldn't know what the fuck was going on in A New Hope. But they never do that to R2, so you have to assume R2 has known everything this whole time. <laughs> but just won't say anything. Because he's like, if I tell them, they're not going to learn anything. They're not going to learn anything. I could solve think... this shit. But <laughs> not in this... Not, to me. <laughs> not in this movie. You stay on that fucking... Uh, that one backyard where all the resistance are. You don't get to be in this movie. You and Rose can go stay there and go fuck yourselves. We've got BB-8 and and his new cuter robot friend now. Dio, who acts like an abused puppy. Yeah, It's so weird. It's so weird. The relationship that people have with robots in this universe is... I, I felt so bad for C-3PO in this movie because he has this genuine moment where he's like, he's got to wipe his entire memory to say, to like get access to this Sith language bullshit. And he has this great moment where he's like, if I don't do this, everything will have been for nothing. And he has that taking one last look at my friends. And it's like three people, one person he's only, just, the, uh, Carrie Russell, who he's just met, and three people none of whom seem to like him at all. <laughs> it's not Leia, it's not Luke, it's not Han, it's not, you know, anyone from the prequels. It's these three people who just hate him. They have, no, <laughs> they, they have no affection for C-3PO whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, so they have to hack C-3PO's brain to read the Sith Wayfinder. With the help of Babu Frick. With the help of Babu Frick. Hey! hey! <laughs> Big Watto energy from little Bobo Frick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that so then they 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 do that, and then what's the next step on their, their uh, quest? All right, uh, they translate the dagger, and they get to uh, they go to a moon uh, a, a moon on the Endor system, not right. the moon, not, not the forest moon of Endor, the uh, white cliffs of the water. Do yeah, the white cliffs of Dover <laughs> moon of Endor, where. A lot of the second Death Star just seemed to land fully intact. <laughs> for again, I should might make note: ancient Sith dagger lines up perfectly with the wreckage of the forty-year-old Death Star. Star. So, yeah. all right, 
Yeah. This is like none of the and also oh, oh it should also all be noted that all of this has to get done in less than sixteen hours. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, God. And it, this this movie has the most frantic pace of it's any, so weirdly edited. Movie. I I I don't think they had any wipes. No. Like the Star Wars wipes. It's because I I know that a lot of this that is because they have a lot of scenes that are like cross cutting between two different locations, right. like when when Kylo and Rey are talking to each other. But it's it's right out of the gate from that first sequence. The movie is so frantic, I mean, and it has a ticking clock. But it's, like, almost incomprehensibly frantic. Like, And there's no tension from that ticking clock. No. no, and, like, so much happens, and so much doesn't matter. And so, anyway, they get into the, into the Death Star, they... And do they get the way? They find the Wayfinder, but then Kylo Ren shows up and destroys it. So this was all pointless. <laughs> uh, there's a fight between Rey and Kylo Ren, and Leia uses her last ounce of strength to kind of distract him for a moment so that Rey can straight up stab him in the back with her lightsaber, which is enough for Kylo Ren to turn to the light side and for Rey to fly off to poor world <laughs> and swear to never be... This all right. Ray in this movie, they are trying so hard to suddenly drum up this like because she finds out she's a Palpatine. There's this worry. Oh, am I going to go to the dark side? Am I going to give in to anger? And it, you never believe it. Yeah, it's Ray. It, she's never had that level of conflict to her. Kylo Ren has always been the conflicted one, and then halfway through this movie. He, he redeems he, himself he goes and back becomes to, Ben. He gives, or at least he like gives up being Kylo Ren. He becomes Ben Solo and he switches to like a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just shows up in the final act. Uh, God, there's so much. He, he shows up to fight uh, the Knights of Ren. Right, uh, right. Remember how much they were built up in the first movie and they <laughs> don't matter at all? Well, and, and, and I think that's what annoys me in this movie is like Star Wars has had like uh, object MacGuffins before, like the Death Star plans, but it's never been a scavenger hunt. It's never been like a weird treasure hunt to get, like to like that felt like levels of a video game. Han Solo as a character, like the the thing I always liked about him was that he would have had no patience for that. Right. You had to have some character that was gonna like cut some corners and take some shortcuts. Han Solo would have been like, we don't have time for this shit. Should we grab one of those Knights of Ren and beat it out of yeah, him? You know? Like, well, and that's the, I mean, I don't have a problem necessarily with doing kind of an Indiana Jones-esque quest, but the problem with it here is that none of the things that they're finding are particularly interesting or matter, and, they're, and a lot of things, like C-3PO's memory and nonsense, just like confuses me <laughs> well and it's all fake drama well, right i mean there are, there are four fake deaths in this movie well and and that's that's the other thing because along the way and when when ray finds out she's a palpatine she inadvertently or so she thinks kills chewy and the movie doesn't even bother to let you pretend to grieve for Chewbacca before revealing that he's not actually dead. Yeah, we know he's alive, and they still spend, like, 20 minutes grieving for him. Not even! It's just, it's like, you know, if you're gonna do the fake-out, you have to, like, at least make the audience think he's actually legitimately dead. Uh, there's there's so many pointless new characters in this. Yes. Like, yeah. like the, the, the sheer volume of weird, random aliens that get, like, names and don't, like... Who is Cloud? 
And why does this handsless creature work on the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> who, who is Bulio, and why does he have access to the First Order? <laughs> who is Zori, and why should I care about this Power Ranger that apparently used to fuck Poe Dameron? Who is Allegiant General Pride, and sh should I pretend that he was always here? <laughs> oh my god. And then on top of that, you have what basically feels like a sitcom writing writer's room doing a punch-up pass on the script. It's also that weird runner of, like, Finn, like, Poe hotwires something, and, and then he does light ski speed skipping, and always, Finn is always like, how'd you know how to do Where'd, that? How'd you know that? How'd you oh know that? God. Who gives a shit, man? Right, He's right. a fucking like... re rebel pilot. You were a goddamn Nazi foot soldier. Where, are you to get, where do you get off judging him? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so weird. And then there's also the subplot of Finn that is never, ever resolved, of Finn trying to tell Ray something and then always getting interrupted, which, like, because you if you've seen a movie before, it's like, oh, he's trying to tell her that he loves her. But it's like, but you learn later from some interview that J.J. Abrams gives, it's like, no, he's trying to tell her that he knows the Force. And it's like, why is he trying to tell her like this? <laughs> I don't know. And it doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, nothing that is set up in in The Force Awakens is followed, that was, you know, sort of sidestepped in Last Jedi is followed through with on here. No. So, like, it's, like, I get like, it, that's the weird thing to me, is, like, for all the criticisms people had of The Last Jedi, this movie doesn't really resolve any of them. Like, it, it, did people... No one liked this movie. I feel like the <laughs> reaction was just universal, like, disappointment. I don't think it really appeased anyone. No, and I, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know who they were... Like, what they were trying to do to appease them. It, it was like, well... Star Wars, it's like, well, we need the three main characters together to be, to like, because it feels like the original trilogy a little bit, and we need it to be funnier, we need it to be, like, sillier, we need it, like, and it... Yeah, like, and then, and it doesn't work also, it's like, they act like these three are, like, the best of, bestest of friends. Like, Poe and Ray have this constant, like, back and forth, especially in, like, the first act, and I'm like... You two have been on screen together maybe once before in two movies. Yeah, like it, like I would say one of the one of the biggest failings to me of the Last Jedi is it doesn't capitalize on those three characters being together and interacting right. together like you have in Empire. At least in Empire Strikes Back, you have Han and Leia and most of the supporting characters together, and you introduce one new guy with Lando. Right, and right. that's what that's I feel like they spread everyone a little too thin in Last Jedi, and it came, and it, it that was failing to capitalize really on the one great strength of The Force Awakens. And then in this movie, they try to make you think that they're, they've been friends forever, and it just doesn't track. Well, I mean, and you, you could, you could maybe make it work, but the way that they're like, these, these three are friends forever, the way that they show that is that they, they yell at each other. It's just endless... Star-Lord banter that only really works in a Marvel movie. Like, it undercuts all the urgency. Well, and even, and it just doesn't make a ton of sense. It's like, Ray and Poe have this weird, like, friction about how to pilot the Falcon that at least that starts the movie and just never sort of follows through, and they just... 
every joke feels like it's basically the same of like, ah, they fly now. They fly now. They fly now. And it's every single time. Well, it is. It is. It's like not. It, it is literally like everyone now has to outquip C-3PO and a little C-3PO was yeah. plenty. Thanks. You know? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> And, and the, like, just nothing really works in this movie. No. Like, just, like, the comedy doesn't work. The 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 pacing is way too fast. It's the, just... The world like, building it, is all over the place and doesn't add anything. All the uh, Sith mythology is is has nothing... To, it has no relation to anything we've established before about the Sith. Oh, the, the false deaths are the ones that really, like, drive me crazy. Because it's just... it's Because once you don't kill Chewbacca, you're just like, okay, this movie has no teeth. You know that, like, C-3PO is going to get his memory back at the end. You Which, know, like... It's not like C-3PO became a completely different person when they wiped his memory. Right. He just became... He just... His, he just, his funny thing was, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, so much, uh, like especially about Palpatine and the Final Order and the Sith, uh, all comes out of nowhere and then just goes unexplained. It is literally right. just like, it feels like like bonus content downloaded for a video game. It doesn't even right. matter to the main plot. Like, like no. you have, uh, I don't know. I, I, it, it's, I, it's, it's such a messy, messy movie. And it's really frustrating because it was the last chance to redeem this trilogy as a trilogy. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, as we sort of talked about in Return of the Jedi, like once you get to sort of the third movie, you kind of have to know, you should, as an audience member, you should know kind of, at least not maybe the specifics, but you should sort of know the basics of where it's going. You know, you should know, like, how it's going to end. You know, you should know why Maz Kanata was ever in these movies. Right. I mean, and she's here for reasons like, I don't Like, they built understand. her up as kind of a big deal in the first movie. Like, you know, she... Well, she had, she had Luke's lightsaber for reasons. And, and, and she like, had a great story about how she got it that she's never going to tell. That was a story for another day that we never get to hear. <laughs> That's, and it's the same with, like, the Knights of Ren and right. who Snoke was. Like, we, there was, like, this big mystery of who was Snoke and, like, what was his significance. And it turns out he's not, he doesn't matter. They've got a whole extra jar of Snokes, you know? Yeah. Which, which I think is fine. Again, I don't, like, on paper, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, like, it just, you need, I mean, you really just need Palpatine to be a character. Yeah. I mean, and be part of the part of the, the machinations of the plot. Whatever that means. If that means, like, really exploring his backstory, sh whatever. But, like, the problem also this movie does is it is it establishes an off-screen son of Palpatine. And then, yes. And, and for, you don't know his name. He's not a character. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't, and it should matter because it's the father of one of the main characters yeah. he, he all we know about him is he married jody comer at some point and yeah. they uh had ray i i looked him up on wikipedia on wikipedia i forget his name <laughs> already but it unfortunately palpatine didn't get laid uh sometime <laughs> between revenge of the sith and a new hope he this was another sith uh cloning dark magic secrets only the sith know situation where he was of trying course. to create an heir 
Right. Yeah, yeah, like, I think you nailed it. Like, what is Palpatine's endgame? This guy is a great villain, but at some point you have to figure out who he is as a character if you need him to sustain nine movies. Right, and, and that's that's the thing. It's just like, if you're gonna, and especially here, if you're gonna bring him back to be, to close out the Skywalker saga, like, he's gotta be important and all he's all he's basically doing is just building ships and hanging out in this like horrible location that just is like a seizure land (laughs) let's talk about lightsabers let's talk about lightsabers. i want to talk about lightsabers because he is ultimately defeated at the hands of a jedi uh wielding anakin skywalker's lightsaber and leia's lightsaber (laughs) Now, Built off screen. <laughs> now, Anakin's lightsaber, the blue one, the blue one that, that he had in the original trilogy and that uh, before he turned to Darth Vader and that uh, Luke had in the first two movies and he loses at the end of Empire Strikes Back is a major plot point in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. This lightsaber. Kylo Ren really wants it because he, he, he like idolizes Darth Vader. Uh, uh, Rey really wants it because it's like they keep they refer to it as luke's lightsaber and right, it's but not it's anakin's yeah luke has a lightsaber it's green he has it in return of the jedi darth vader also had a lightsaber that also wasn't lost in space presumably <laughs> luke had it at the end of return of the jedi it would have been so much more effective if the lightsaber that everyone's trying to get in the first two movies is darth vader's lightsaber because that's the one Kylo Ren should want, but you don't. They, it's, they don't do that because obviously you can't have your heroes wielding a red lightsaber because that's evil. But wouldn't it have been so much more effective if Rey had like wielded a Sith lightsaber and a Jedi's lightsaber, the green and red Christmas lightsabers? Literally, that there is a shot in Return of the Jedi where they cross those two lightsabers, those same ones, cross in front of Palpatine, and he laughs maniacally because that's exactly what he wants. He wants Luke to fight Darth Vader. It would have been so cool if that was the same shot that ended up being his undoing when the lightsaber of the the man he manipulated who ultimately killed him and the Jedi who refused to bow to his will are ultimately the things that destroy him. I don't know. If we're going to talk about symbolism in Star Wars, it's just also just a nitpicky weird thing. It's like they... You never establish where Luke's lightsaber is. Even in The Last Jedi, when he shows up at the end to like... He doesn't have his green lightsaber. He's holding... And that's kind of how I knew something was off, because he was holding the blue lightsaber instead of the green one that he presumably still owns. Yeah, yeah, it is... It's very... And the the way the lightsaber is dealt with in this franchise is so so bizarre i mean in in the original trilogy it's sort of it's it's treated very reverentially and then in the prequel trilogy they're just tossing lightsabers out like candy yeah. anakin keeps breaking his yeah everyone's getting new yeah, ones everyone's got one <laughs> uh and it's yeah it's just so weird because then they have to like go out of their way to like backfill this uh like to like go they have to go out of their way to establish that leia had a lightsaber that she never used because she had a vision. Whereas you just, you didn't need to, like in the in the expanded universe, yes, Leia is force sensitive and she trains as a Jedi. You can just say, no, she didn't in this. She's a general. Yeah. She's yeah. like, 
you know, she's the only one that didn't go sulk in a corner when shit hit the fan. That should be enough yeah. he- heroism for her. Yeah, and none of the Leia stuff in this movie works. No, like, well, because they're using and, footage from The Force well, Awakens. I mean, uh, yeah. And the scenes with her are like, they're so obviously like, okay, we've got this one line. we got to build a scene. I was thinking there's that sequence, the scene with her and um, uh, Greg Grunberg, where the line <laughs> they clearly had from her was, can we, or it's something like, let's be optimistic. Let's, can you just yeah. be optimistic? And they clearly like built a scene around that line and it's so weird. And it's a useless scene that doesn't matter. No, it's like, but it's it, like it, it, clearly it's, no Leia footage could go to waste, you know, at this point. Um, and it, those scenes stop the movie dead because you just, you just have her basically delivering like fortune cookie wisdom uh, in like these weird sound bites. And it really doesn't work when, when Ray is talking to her. Cause it, you, they have like these conversations that you're just like, all right, I don't know what any of this means. Well, they establish <laughs> that that Leia is training Ray, which right. it doesn't make any sense. It, no. To quote Mr. Plinkett, nothing in this movie makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> I know that they were in a bind because the the you know Carrie Fisher passed away and they had to do something. I think it would have made more sense just to have Leia die in between two movies. I think that <laughs> would have been more respectful as opposed yeah. to just like, you know, all but getting uh, the chiropractor from Ed Wood to put a wig <laughs> on and put a thing over his face. God. Yeah. And then you also have CG Luke and CG Leia, which is one of the things that has infected modern Star Wars, and I hate. I hate oh, them. you mean like I in that one, them. that one flashback? In the, in the flashback, it, yeah. Like, Luke looked okay, but Leia, somehow they Leia just can't, they can't, in yeah. Rogue One, too, they can't crack young Carrie Fisher for whatever <laughs> reason. Like, you can, if Luke, as long as he's not talking, yeah, it, like, yeah. like young, young Mark Hamill looks okay. I don't know what it is. I guess they just like they keep giving her too much like uh, like powder and foundation, so she always looks so waxy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like I yeah I don't know, and it's it's this thing of like Star Wars is now because of the ultimately the overall negative reaction to these sequel movies. Star Wars has like corralled itself into a little time frame that's essentially yeah. like the period between the prequels and before the, the the force awakens. So we're only going to see like, they're going to keep stretching out the lifespan of whatever species Ahsoka Tano is for as long <laughs> as they can get, like keep her around. Cause she's the only character left that they don't have to like create a waxy body double of. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, or, or who doesn't wear a mask so they don't have to worry about it. Like the yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Man, Man, Mando <laughs> wears a mask. Boba Fett can wear a mask. Uh, and Darth Vader, of course. And Darth Vader. Who, uh, I don't know, have you have you uh, made good on your threat to not keep up with Obi-Wan Kenobi? I, I did watch I did watch episode three. His, his uh, uh, it, you know how when we were filmmakers, we definitely filmed in like abandoned, like gravel yards <laughs> now and then, like yeah. when we were in college. Apparently, Star Wars does that too now. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, it is. It felt like somebody like they lost a location, and they were like, "Oh, just, just get, get to Angela, Angela's forest. Come on, go, go, go!" <laughs> it's not even Angela's forest. It's like some sort of like truck yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it's uh, I did I like know. everything with Vader up to the confrontation. I did. Yeah, like I did too. Like they do a really good job. Like in Rogue One they kind of did this too of just showing what a miserable existence Anakin has. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, all the stuff with Anakin, I think that's the reason I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi is cuz I want to see I Anakin is the character that probably was the the most mishandled in the prequels, but you know, also is the most iconic character of Star Wars right. and has the most stuff that you can flesh out. You're kind of limited because everything you do with him, he's going to be Darth Vader. But right. I think when you can show just how far this character has fallen, it will it will make the knowledge that he redeems himself at the very end all the richer. Right. You know, it's I, just I, like, I, it's... I agree. It, it doesn't, agree. like, the stuff with him and Obi-Wan is kind of pointless and it, it's, it feels like a distraction from the more interesting supporting characters in that like the more yeah. like the other inquisitors and stuff but just right. that's the, the sequence of darth vader like getting up in the morning at, right. at you know just was like oh god it sucks being darth he's not it's not cool to <laughs> be not, darth it's vader not cool. he's not a happy person yeah and and yeah i i, I liked all that um i, I mean i i think you know the problem is and as much as i've been like ranting and raving about star disney star wars it's mostly just fine. It's not bad. It's just fine. Well, that's the problem. You know? They lived up to the, the thing that I said wasn't good enough. It's pretty much better than the prequels. <laughs> but that's not good enough. You have to... Yeah. Every... Like, the thing with the Marvel movies is, yeah, they're pretty formulaic for the most part. But they have different avenues that have different aesthetics designs depending on which character you're looking at. And every now and then, they take a new swing with either an established character or a new franchise that, you know, lets them push things just a little bit, just to feel different. Like, for every, like, by-the-numbers Ant-Man or Doctor Strange, you get uh, Iron Man 3 or Thor Ragnarok or Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy or the Winter Soldier. You get things right. that elevate uh, stuff a little bit, but not at the expense of why everyone's here to see the Marvel movies. And I think that's yeah. why, yeah, they're not cinema, core, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Ethan Hawke just gave a really good interview about it because I remember when he signed on for Moon Knight, like a bunch of his fans got really bent out of shape. Oh, right. He's like, yeah. how could he do something? How could he sell out like this? And I was like, you've all seen Daybreakers, right? You know, he, he does <laughs> schlock. He's not afraid to do schlock. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's he said, like, look, there's high art and there's low art. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's like every it's like yeah. he basically gave one of those. OK, everybody calm down kind of interviews. <laughs> and uh yeah, no, they're the, the Black Panther and Spider-Man No Way Home don't need to win best picture. But there's a reason why those movies have been going strong for 14 years whereas the Star Wars features at the moment have kind of sputtered out. And yeah. though it's because they have become and be, the reaction to the last Jedi I think was part of this and that's not the last Jedi's fault. That's a really angry small section of Star <laughs> Wars fans getting blowing it way out of proportion uh yeah. you know i think because that movie tried and the reaction was so strong they're not going to try again for a long time yeah no, and that I, makes I, me really I, sad because they have everything at their disposal to make star wars constantly feel fresh and vibrant and fun but yeah. now it's just no, going to be like it's everything's going to feel like the worst impulses of rogue one where it's just you know ATSDs, I know those, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just fan service. I mean, and, and you know, Mandalorian isn't a bad show, but it just it's just a very 
it's just a very eh show, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, you know. Especially once it became just like, once they started bringing in all these other characters from other, right. like, series and stuff, that first season is pretty solid as just like, let's just hang out with a bounty hunter in the Star Wars right. universe. Let's just have, like, fun adventures in Star Wars. But when, it, when like, yeah, when it became, like, now he's got, like, a whole, like, he's got all these Clone Wars characters and CGI right. Luke, and right. he's <laughs> now, like, showing up and taking up whole episodes of Boba Fett, you know. It's, <laughs> it, it's yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it, and I'm talking about the Avengers. It is, you can feel it in this movie. The final, you know, like, there's more of oh, us, yeah. Poe. They, they, it so wants to have that feeling that Avengers Endgame had, like in the, when the portals all opened, it doesn't, it, this trilogy never earns it. Apart from the fact there are no characters to come to the rescue. It's, it's a bunch of ships and Lando and Chewie and Wedge and Wedge doesn't even get to fly an X-Wing, which is so stupid. (laughs) Like like they got Dennis, they, they got Dennis Lawson. They got him in the jumpsuit. They got him in like the flight gear, and he's like he's running the guns on the Falcon. Like it's, he put him like what? Cut. Why isn't he driving it, flying an extra? Yeah, I, I, he I, should. And, it should be like this shot should be Poe Dameron soars into uh sort like like repositions himself, and he's like, all right, let's get every ship every ship destroyed as a planet saved, and one X wing zips by him and destroys the first one, and that's fucking wedge. <laughs> I, no, I agree. I, I mean, I, I agree. I personally, or, or like, or those ships should just be ones we recognize. I, like, yeah, you know, it, that and that that the way that shot is framed, it's just like a mess. It's you're no, just kind it's of looking uh, at it it's like, like it's I like don't almost. Know what I'm staring at. Well, it's both the the Imperial Star Destroyers. It's like so many of them that it stops being imposing and becomes comical. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. thing with that shot where it is just like a mess of ships. With no like yeah. formation, and you don't recognize any of them. Yeah, it should have been. Show me alien species that we know uh, have rallied. Show me any care any character that's left. Like, if you right, really want or, this movie to be like the end of a saga, you got to give me something. You know. I mean, shit. Put Jar Jar in a ship and have him piloting it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like stuff like that is what you need to be doing here. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna go out on a blowout, do all the fan service you can think of. I mean, hell, I mean they they didn't know Mandalorian started like a month or so before, but they could have stuck Mandalorian in there flying the Razor Crest or whatever. Like, or you know, I don't know, have uh, Tamura Morrison as an old clone flying one. Right. Like it. Right. Like it is. It is that, and that's the problem. Is there is this sequel the, tri- the sequel trilogy for all of the characters that come back and for all of the aesthetics that they lift have the biggest disconnect from the prior six movies. Right. And it, yeah. it, it's like, yeah, the prequels are worse. The prequel movies are a slog, but they do like, by virtue of the fact that they were made second, uh, inform <laughs> like the story that goes into the, the these these this trilogy as a trilogy not the three movies individually yeah. but the trilogy kind of feels like Godfather 3 trying to justify its own existence a little bit <laughs> and like it's got some good stuff but it's got some really bad stuff too and it's you know Star Wars was done so if you're going to bring it back you got to I I wish and yeah it is enough to bring it back and just bring back all the things we know and love from before that's a successful business model. 
But it's like, I don't know. I you got you gotta try to give it its own identity and its own voice. And every time they've tried, they've been way too hesitant about it and they end up backing away. Yep. No, I, I yeah, I agree. And and this movie in particular, Rise of Skywalker, I think has the hallmarks of everything wrong with the our current crop of blockbusters. Yeah. You know, and, and starting with the, here's your release date, you have to hit the release date, we're not budging. Yeah. And that, I think, is, I think that's what really doomed this movie. And, from the and I think, I'm hoping you know? people, re- like, COVID kind of threw the you must make a release date thing out the window. Like, yeah. like, Top Gun Maverick sat on shelves for two years, and it's now out now, and it's the biggest thing ever. So, like, yeah. give, if you yeah. need to take time, you can take time. Your fans will be there. You know, yeah. it's why listen to me. I, I wrote on where's Waldo. <laughs> I know boss baby personally. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote for dragons. I wrote about dragons. You wrote for dragons too. The problem is we're coming at this from the point of view of writers. And I'm guessing the least amount of time is spent thinking about the script. Like, I think of the movie Prometheus, which isn't, was certainly not a rush job in any way. Like, Prometheus yeah. is a gorgeous, meticulously crafted movie with a terrible script. And, like, <laughs> Charles de la Zarica, the, the behind-the-scenes guy who makes all those documentaries, he makes the, those incredible documentaries about, like, Blade Runner and the Alien movies. He did one for Prometheus, and it's three hours long, and they spend 20 minutes talking about writing. And that tells you everything you need to know about, to me, about modern blockbusters is that, like, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's like, if you can go into battle with a really good script, you can just kitbash stuff, like, mo- like, model ships and turn it into the Death Star and you will have a great movie. It's, it's, yeah. I think they just, you need to think about what's at the heart of something before you start building the visuals around it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think the problem you know, this movie is, well, two things. Carrie Fisher died, and then, you know, they fired the original people who were going to put it put the movie together. Yeah, there's and four so story-by credits on this. Yeah, you know. yeah. so then they then they brought in J.J. Abrams and uh, Argo. Uh, Chris Terrio. And, uh, Chris Terrio, thank you. Um, and, and they cobbled it together with what they could. Um, but... This movie needed like another year, and yeah. this movie also needed to be three hours long. <laughs> it is it is too short for what the story yeah. is trying to tell. It's kind of crazy that they only this they were like they had a two year turnaround for each one of these. It's like yeah. like the originals didn't have that, and neither did the no. the, the, the see it, all the previous trilogies. There was at least three years of breathing room, right? And I think that's I think they needed that. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean that and somebody at least just on a napkin being like movie one ends here movie two ends here this is what movie three is you're banging the table again i can tell you're angry yeah, well, i'm uh, just i'm being making my bullet i know noise. i know you're, pa- you're passionate you're passionate whereas i feel nothing i'm like luke in last oh. jedi i'm completely disconnected from the force i'm just i just want, just i just want to live on my island and and sexually assault manatees <laughs> We just gotta gotta find a a plucky person to to come to you and and try to convince you that the cause is worth fighting, right? And I, I will no. not listen to her. <laughs> well, and then until you do, until I Skype in, basically. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, I, I, I didn't bother doing it, but I wanted to track how many force powers are, like, just thrown in willy-nilly in this movie. Like, oh suddenly, suddenly every character has force healing powers, something we've never established before. Which is so confusingly laid out. It takes away some of your life force when you do that, but then you can give it back through a kiss. And yeah. Just, uh... <laughs> Why? And force ghosts Why? can do anything or go anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's. I did like what is it? Harrison Ford was asked if he was a force ghost or not, and he was like, "I don't give a shit." I don't know. <laughs> no. I don't care. <laughs> oh, you. I, what? What did they have to do to get him to show up? <laughs> I think it was, I don't have to put on any crazy clothes, do, do I? Do I? I have to get a haircut? <laughs> yeah, I think that was really it. Apparently, even in death, Han Solo just rolled out of bed. <laughs> They're making another Indiana Jones. They are. You know they what? Are. I'm I'm interested to see a different director take it on. I'm, I... I, I I like James Mangold. James Mangold should be making these kind of movies because he's good yeah, at it. Yeah, I agree. Like, no, I, I he gets like he gets pulp. I think. Yeah, and I think he, you know, and I he's respectful that's... of pulp too. Like, yeah, even like even when it's not something as heavy as Logan, when he's doing Copland or Three Ten to Yuma, he gets yep. like his movies have a really good energy to them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's. I think, yeah, and he was going to do a Boba Fett movie at one He point. was one of the um, many people attached to the yeah. Boba Fett movie, I think, when Lawrence Kasdan was writing the script. It's, right. Yeah, it's crazy how much has been in development in just the last 10 years for Star Wars. I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, especially, especially for us, you know, when we were growing up, just how there was nothing. There was just nothing. Yeah. No, this is the worst of the three uh, third Star Wars, I, I'd say, in, in terms of, certainly in terms of ending a trilogy but also it's just yeah. if i had to watch one of the three that we've watched it's i wouldn't pick this one no i mean i would pick no. jedi obviously but well, yeah that would be the one but i'd probably i'd probably sit through Re revenge of the sith because even revenge of the sith that last 45 minutes does you do feel the dramatic weight and the stakes and there is still a little bit of that like even though you know what's going to happen you kind of want to wave them off a little bit you don't right. have that here no, it ends. Well, it ends. The whole movie ends like kind of on this really like dour note, where she's takes like the lightsabers to like she takes <laughs> Anakin Skywalker and Princess Leia's lightsabers to a place that has no to a, to a home that has no significance to either of them, and buries them in the sand, takes their last name, and just <laughs> wanders off with with BB-8, who doesn't even belong to her. Yeah, doesn't she? Well, she goes back to the Falcon, right? Well, she uh, takes the, like they have their, everyone hugs and kisses yeah. uh, on that planet, that like one <laughs> like planet that's like just like kind of a big, like like grotto essentially. <laughs> it's like the one set they didn't feel like popping for was the Rebel base. It's like like right. it's like one tent and a few like ships. <laughs> Yeah, but it's no, she goes back there. They have like the big yeah. like it's there's that, and then they she flies to Tatooine, and she sees yeah. Luke and Leia's Force ghosts. Um, even though the one she should be seeing is Kylo Ren. Uh, I mean, she should be she should be seeing Kylo Ren and Anakin and uh, whatever. I don't whatever. know. It's it's 
it's just another thing the Palpatines took from the Skywalkers. Their name and their <laughs> piece of shit family. <laughs> well, we only know two of them. <laughs> I mean, they may have been trying to protect her, but uh, Ray's parents did sell her into like indentured servitude. Yeah. Maybe Palpatines just suck, you know? Yeah, that's maybe that's it. You get the Palpatine blood and you just you just suck. <laughs> well that's that's kind of the, the the dramatic arc of this movie. It's like, oh she's got Palpatine blood. What if she sucks? <laughs> that's what she's worried what about. She, she's like What if she's just a jerk? Yeah, it's basically when she finds out you're a Palpatine, she's like, You're a Palpatine. She's like, Oh no, what if I'm a jerk? <laughs> And that's the movie, is her, like, yeah. realizing, I'm not a jerk. Not a jerk. Yeah, and uh, and then, you know, even when she kills Chewbacca, she doesn't, she doesn't have that, like, internal thing that she should have. She's like, oh my god, what is wrong with me? I'm, I've got this darkness in me, I have to get it fixed. And it's just, and part of that is that the movie doesn't allow you any time to think that Chewbacca's dead. Also, her ability to throw, like, Sith lightning never comes back. It, You'd think it should back. be she just uses the power of the Sith against them at the right. end. Like, it's just, it's all faux drama, and, and it, it, and, but they're not even committed to the fake-out enough to get the audience no. to feel something. No. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I agree with your cat. <laughs> well on that uh gloomy note uh <laughs> sorry he's being very chatty it's all right i uh so i will say i did like the one line i really liked from palpatine was uh the only family you have here is me it's like a pretty good one because you can tell Palpatine in his head was like, "Oh, that's a good lie. That's a good one. That's a, that's good, a good one. one. Oh, zing! <laughs> it's been so hard to wipe myself with these bony fingers, <laughs> with my monster stuck ass. on his and his crane hit arm yeah. that he's stuck on. <laughs> can I sit down, please? Ah, <laughs> uh, well." So ends the Palpatine trilogy, the Palpatine saga, and uh, that we're going. This uh, podcast part three will now take a little hiatus for us to, you know, like think about what we've done to ourselves and to each other. <laughs> no, so this is the season finale. We are uh, taking a little break. We're gonna uh, we're gonna be coming back this summer. I'm thinking July fourth. You know, when you just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Hint, hint. Oh. Wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I'm going to call it right now. Uh, we will be back uh, this summer, and we will come back with something real fun and dumb. Jaws 3D. All right. Starring uh, Dennis Quaid and uh, Leah Thompson and uh, the mom from My So-Called Life and some of the worst awesome. 3D effects you have ever seen. Like, this movie <laughs> makes uh, this movie makes Friday the 13th 3D look like Avatar. Awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait. I've never seen Jaws 3, so it's, I'm, I'm very excited. It's it's hard to say if it's better or worse than Jaws the Revenge. It's it definitely <laughs> looks worse, but it's it's oh it's a real it's so dumb. You're gonna have a good time. So we're gonna be back That's... uh we will be back in a few weeks. Uh until then, folks, uh thank you all so much for listening. I can't believe we've done like twenty plus episodes already. 
Like this, know, it's, it's made crazy. this year fly by for all of our griping and and sighing and grumbling. It's 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 always a joy to get to talk about movies and and talk about the movies we love and the movies we're frustrated with. You know, it's 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 coming from a, a, a genuinely positive place, and I think you everyone should try to have that in their life. Someone that will talk about that someone that likes the same bullshit you like and will talk about it with you in like a positive and healthy way. And I'm, I will, I'm always grateful that you will neglect your family to, to spend that time with me. Well, as and same to you, Sam, I, uh, it's always, it's always fun, especially talking star Wars with you. I think our, our friendship was born <laughs> partly talking star. And I Wars, never so. want to do it again. Ever again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Star Wars, do not make three more movies, so we'll have to talk about another third movie. <laughs> but as always, uh, until we are back, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Part 3. That's the number three. And uh, feel free to shoot us some suggestions for Part 3s you'd like to see in the new year or the new season. And uh, any, uh, give us a like, a subscribe, a rating, a review, whatever you want. We're, we're here and we're always happy to chit-chat. Uh, and, and if you if you give a review, we'll read it on air. If it's well written, and if, if it's, it's well and written. if it's nice, <laughs> if it's a if it's a real like Kelly Marie Tran kill yourself uh, review, like we, we won't read yeah. that. And by the way, folks, uh, let, let, because of everything that's happened with the new Star Wars, you have to let go a little bit sometimes. If you don't like something, don't let it be. Don't don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side, and the dark side in the real world isn't cool. You don't get to be Palpatine. You don't get a lightsaber, and you don't get to shoot lightning. You become an angry, cranky golem on the internet, and you make life a living hell for other people, and it only feels good to you in the same way tar heroin probably does. So don't do it. Love the things you love, but if it's something like Star Wars where you love it, and because of that, there's things about it you just cannot stand. Try to channel that into something positive. Yeah. Like a snarky podcast with a friend. <laughs> exactly. Leave the actors alone. They're doing it again on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know. It's like, I, I and don't, I don't even, I, I, I can't even fathom why. It's yeah, it, it, I, like, I, leave them alone. They're, they're putting out things that you love for you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. I, yeah. It's one of the things that's ruined Star Wars for me is just how like toxic and angry some people became about this. It's so different from that like joyful annoyance we all felt with the prequels where it's like, "Oh, we're all frustrated together as friends eating popcorn." Now it's we all either ang are angry that someone loves something or angry that someone hates something. And yeah. it's just not, yeah. a, it's not a good feeling. And it's so emblematic of the world we live in now, but I don't want that in my star Wars movies. I don't want star Wars to remind me of what the world is like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. Can't believe they killed Akbar. <laughs> Still, still on I'm, that. I'm mad about that. I'm mad that Wedge didn't get to fly an X-Wing. Uh, I'm mad about the lightsaber thing. I don't understand why Cloud worked on the uh, Millennium Falcon. He had no hands. Uh, the only character that makes any sense to me in this movie was the uh, the chimp. The blacksmith chimp. 
Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, it was re, re, reforged uh, Kylo's. Yeah, uh, helmet. literally yeah. putting back to. We are fixing the things the last Jedi broke. I like how they, I will say, when he fixes his helmet, they keep bringing it up again. Like It's really funny. Like, no, yeah. sir, I like your helmet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, is this what the Empire has come to? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of wanted Richard E. Grant to be like yelling, Back in my day, we didn't have all this nonsense. We didn't give Darth Vader a hard time about how weird he was. He was just weird and we liked it. <laughs> Our leader's always been a wizened goblin man. It's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Well, Will, uh, on that note, any final thoughts? <sighs> no, I don't even have a quote that I wanted to pull. Uh, just, you know, I could do Babu Frick. Hey! Hi, Babu Frick! <laughs> No one else has a T-35 hyperspike drive generator. I can promise you that. <laughs> Sebulba always wins. <laughs> Do you watch the George Lucas uh, talk show? No, I, I, I don't. But I, I've I, seen bits. I it's really it, funny. But... It's just George Lucas and Watto have a talk show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Star Wars. You, Star you Wars. beautiful sloppy baby. You. Uh, yeah. Well, folks, until next time, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, may the Force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>